Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Warden's Watch Podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line Podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content, both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. Boy, you guys are in for a treat. On this thing, Green Line, we are talking to Dr. Jamie McCollin, Force for Nature app, which is, is a dynamic conversation, and it's on a global effort, what we try to do here in the United States and Canada, and certainly Warden's Watch wants to be on that global, and the Thin Green Line want to be on that global platform, and Jamie just brings up so much, uh, so much connection, and it was a dynamic conversation that you guys are really going to enjoy and, and connect, and you're going to connect by downloading this app, Force for Nature, uh, the Ranger app, the Ranger app, become a citizen ranger, uh, as we discussed, and there's going to be some new apps coming out that, uh, you know, Dr. Jamie uh, McCollin actually talks about on this podcast. It's pretty exciting stuff, John. It was very engaging, and we have a thank you to do, and John's going to do that. So, yeah, very engaging podcast, huh, John? I was excited. Yeah, I love this one, man. And and talking to uh, talking to Jamie and also Alicia, one of his mm. developers for this new app, Force of Nature, is it's a game changer for bringing rangers and thin green line citizens worldwide together into one app, communicating stories no matter where they're at in the world. And what we're going to be doing with this, guys, after you hear this great conversation with Jamie, um, what we're going to be doing is pulling in guests from worldwide contacts through this app, Mm. sharing Thin Green Line stories, and really bringing a citizenry into it, citizen rangers, as we said during the podcast. I love that term. Uh, You know, kind of the Thin Green Line of all our supporters that aren't necessarily on the law enforcement front, but they're all part of the Thin Green Line solution and the human solution to resource protection worldwide. So this is a really fun one. I also want to give, uh, we need to give a big shout out to Dr. Tina Jekyll, who's an EAP critical incident and uh, critical incident uh, prevention counselor 
out of Florida. She was uh, gracious enough to join our live Q and A, Wayne, the other mm-hmm. night. Um, awesome having her on. We had when we had Paula, uh, you know, another great counselor, and mm. we got input from them both on um, the follow up on our live Q and A for Patreon from uh, your officer involved shooting four part series, and uh, Dr. Tina. After that, was gracious enough to become a, a significant sponsor of the podcast. She really likes mm. what we're doing with the message, so we're gonna give her shout outs. And um, she works in Thank Florida you. and also Thank on the on the national scale with uh, with federal agencies as well. If if any of uh, you listeners out there that are in, in our line of work need some support, Dr. Tina can help you out down there in the uh, the southeast and certainly um, with the, on the federal side too. Yeah, and that's but a great way forward. to support us too. John is joining Patreon. Certainly, we have our bills too, and by Dr. Tina certainly helped us out. But anybody can join Patreon, and they get extra stuff. They get they get video, they get extra audio, they get extra pictures. So, and it's just some way to support us doing what we're doing through the podcast, and it's so important. So, I would encourage everybody to join the Patreon platform to support this podcast if if you enjoy listening to it. Yeah, for sure, Wayne. And I mean, you start at five dollars a month, and there's a lot of content you're going to get that general listeners won't get. Everything mm. from personal videos we're putting out there for training and development that are about to drop. In addition books, to getting book the signings visuals. coming up, yeah, we got we got a virtual book signing. We're going to do a virtual here. book uh, signing December second, so uh, yeah. that that's pretty exciting stuff right there. Um, yeah. So make plans uh, for on the Patreon site. We're going to do a virtual book signing. We're going to do a, a cowboy in the woods and John's book, the the hidden war. Um, I'm wicked excited about that. So again, wicked being good being new England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll be fun guys. And uh, certainly if you can tell some friends and bring another listener into our fold for mm. Warren's watch and thin green line and do that five-star rating on Apple podcasts, it helps. Um, we are continuing to grow. We're continuing to get reach and it's all because of you guys Absolutely. and we're grateful and we want to just help, uh, you know, continue to send the message and you guys are the conduit for the fingering line Warden's watch success and, uh, that message worldwide. So we thank you and, uh, please help support us and, and spread the word. Right. Then green line, Jamie McCollin force for nature. On this episode of the thin green line, we are honored and privileged to have Jamie McCollum PhD, who is the founder and director, right, Jamie, of the Force for Nature app? That's right, Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He brings a unique set of experience to the enormous challenges of environmental protection, combining his doctorate of biological science and a decade in conservation with his early career high-end corporate sponsorship. Jamie founded the Force for Nature. Backed by leading conservation groups, global media partners, and the world's biggest brands, Jamie focused on a human-based solution to many of the world's environmental problems, wildlife rangers, supporting and guiding them to be more effective and ensure that the resources upon which he, we all depend on can theoretically last forever. Back in 2008, a, in a bid to pursue his lifelong passion for environmental protection, Jamie left a thriving career in sports sponsorship to study for his PhD in biological sciences. His research his research within the U.S. National Park Service and the U.S.-Mexican border used cutting-edge technology to help improve management of protected areas. He then set up and ran the technology program at the Zoological Society of London, including the management of a citizen science app and the development of software and hardware for field staff. These projects were facilitated through the partners with Google, Idiom, and Microsoft Research. Since 2015, he has been the UK ED Director for Peace Parks Foundation, 
the PPF. As well as fundraising and partnership management, Jamie operates closely with field teams on on resource protection, community development, and managing training tools. He also works with the South African Wildlife College, which trains hundreds of conservation staff each year, and he advises the International Union for Conservation of Nature on protection of areas and areas effectiveness. So thank you so much, Jamie, for joining us on the Thin Green Line podcast. Uh, looking for this dynamic uh, interaction because I, I, we are all on the same page for sure, just at different tiers. And I think as we combined our efforts, boy, we make a force for nature uh, for sure. <laughs> and, and I love Very that you plain. say that it's, you know, it's a human solution because that's the, one of the first times I've heard that. And one of the things I worked with a, a big African group, I actually did some training and some of their complaints was dealing with NGOs, non-government agencies, and that they were just throwing money at, at everything they could and a lot of money and it wasn't filtering down. And they, I don't think they saw that as, the, you know, a people solution. They saw it as, you know, you throw money at something and it fixes something. And I think we all know that doesn't work. And when you say it's a human solution, that gets down to the bare basics because it's a human problem too. So I think, boy, I just, I love that, that it's a human solution. That, that caught my attention right off. And I, John and I both agree uh, it's a human solution along with you. Yeah. That, thanks, Wayne. Thanks for the kind introduction. And, and thanks for having me on the, on the, on the podcast. I mean, I think this, this human solution piece is central because um, a lot of uh, nearly 100 countries around the world have said that they are committed to setting aside 30% of the planet, oceans and, and terrestrial and land, uh, by 2030. And that's a really noble aim. It's a really good idea. It'll help us to mitigate the effects of climate change and, um, and biodiversity loss, of course. Um, but that's no good in setting, just drawing a line on a map unless you've got the people on the ground to manage those sites. That means to do law enforcement. It means to engage with communities. It means to manage the biodiversity and the landscape and the infrastructure and all those other critical roles that rangers or frontline conservation staff or wardens do. Um, and and, and the, the, the indications are at the moment that there aren't enough protected area staff in, in not in every country in the world, but in many countries of the world, there are not enough protected area staff. And, and even and again, many of them are not properly equipped or trained to do their jobs either safely or effectively. And so there's a real challenge here. It's, you know, we, we need rangers and frontline conservation staff to be doing a great job, but also we need to be looking after them better because they can't do a good job, but also just from a basic rights point of view, you can't have people, and you guys know, you know, better than me. You can't have people going about their business if they're not properly supported, uh, especially such an important uh, job as this. Yeah, you know, Jamie, you hit it on the head there because we're here in the U.S. and we're here state by state with you know fairly structured conservation agencies that we work with under the government umbrella. So training, logistics, equipment, law enforcement training, you know, uh, biology training, field study training, it's really structured. And, and it's really, as you know, um, having got a good start, and we'll talk about that in a minute down here in the Southwest and doing some stuff over in the U.S., um, you know, we're very well supported in most cases. And I've done work in South Africa with the Rangers there and, and worked and, you know, and, and spoke to groups all over the world 
Um, and it's, <clears throat> it's humbling and it's distressing as game wardens from California, resource conservation officers, to find out how little support most groups have <clears throat> in other parts of the world. And yet how dedicated those rangers and those yeah. conservation groups are. And it's really heartbreaking to see what they're up against. And not only from the challenges of the lack of support to effectively protect our wildlife resources worldwide, but also the dangers they face and the ill-equippedness, if you will, to deal with those threats. So when we got wind of you and what you're doing, it's, it's really inspiring to see. We're, we're grateful for it. Um, I, I wish this was on our radar sooner because just getting to know you and, and, and bring you on the podcast brought us into the awareness of the app and, and the structure. And take us back a little bit and tell us how you were inspired to go this direction and kudos for doing so. But you had a, a potential, a good sports career, it sounds like, or something similar. You did some work here in the U.S. and then something, something lit that spark in you. Mm. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, I mean, um, I can probably go back a bit further. I mean, I, I grew up on a on a in, in the countryside on a, uh, a beside a farm or as part of a farm. I grew up, spent a lot of my early childhood sort of um, with, with horses, both working and training uh, horses. And I think it it, it grew in me uh, a love of the natural world. And um, I, I work continue to work with horses in in Australia and indeed in Argentina over in my you know late teens, early twenties. So this kind of built this kind of, uh, you know, embedded in me this really deep um, uh, natural love. And then uh, I, I, I fell, I guess you could say, into, into the sports uh, uh, marketing business. And I worked in motor racing, which is the completely the other end of the scale. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, um, uh, but it was a job. And, and, and I, I learned very early about this thing called sponsorship. And it seemed to me that people who were passionate about motor racing were using this thing called sponsorship to fund their hobby and not just fund mm -hmm. it, but like make really, really big funds. Yeah. And, and I, I started thinking really quite early on, if I could learn how to do this sponsorship thing, I wonder if I could apply it to my passion, which is not motorsport, but it's, you know, wild, wildlife protection and the natural world, because that is really starved of, of uh, high grade funding. So, so that was the, the, the early kind of seed was um, laid very early on. And, but it took me a handful of years to, to try and achieve that level of competence in the sponsorship world that I required. So six or eight years later, and I, I, I worked for an American company called International Management Group, IMG, who managed a lot of the big sports stars and big sports events. And, uh, and that was, a, you know, that was the sharp end of, 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 the, um, of the sports marketing industry. And, and then um, I thought, okay, when I, after a period of time, I thought I was ready to, to move on and try and bring this dream to reality. And, but I didn't really have any high quality or credible biological knowledge. So I went and did my, uh, my PhD. I went back to university, did this PhD, and I was based in, um, in Arizona. And I was looking uh, predominantly at the movement of wildlife um, across the US-Mexico border in both directions. And, and indeed, the effect of the, uh, the barrier um, between the two countries through the Sonoran region. And I used small uh, hidden cameras to detect the movement of wildlife nice. um, across that border. And we had, in fact, we had 40-odd hidden cameras in four different protected areas, um, so including Organ Pipe and Buenos Aires uh, National Wildlife Refuge and others. 
And um, we put these cameras in places where there was a barrier and also places where there was no barrier um, to see if, that, if, if there was a, a comparison in the movement of wildlife. So we found some really interesting things. So mountain lion, for example, were much more prevalent where there was no barrier. Mm -hmm. um, some, some species like uh, coyote um, and bobcat were not affected at all. They're sort of generalists. So they can sort of adapt to the, 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 the barrier. They kind of can, they can work it out. But these species who need really big um, uh, uh, um, home ranges, for them, it, was, it affected them. So it was an amazing time to spend so much uh, of my, so many of my days in, the, in this, this, this beautiful uh, mountainous, dry, uh, landscape and quiet landscape um but obviously there's a lot else going on there as well and so i was you know that that the 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 migration and the smuggling um of uh, of illegal um uh, of illegal substances was also you know we came across that a lot and i know you you, you guys have a lot of experience with in that domain too sure. so it was it was a real eye-opener in lots of other ways as well mm. awesome Awesome. And that, what, what happened next when, after you did that study and, and how did it lead to this organization now? Cause it um, it's, it's very developed and the goal is very wide reaching and we'll talk about it in a minute, but what were yeah. the next steps that got you there? Well, I think one of the things was that I, even in uh, these protected areas in, in North America, um, I was looked after brilliantly by all the national park service staff and the rangers used to take me out on patrol and they used to look after me because it was a, a, a pretty dangerous uh, uh, environment. And I'd made good friends with a lot of these guys. And a lot of them said, hey, you know, I, I didn't really start off, you know, moving into the law enforcement piece here. I started off, you know, because I loved this environment. So it was my first sort of really strong engagement with, with, with rangers or protected area staff. And, and then when I finished my PhD, I went to uh, work for the Zoological Society of London, which is a UK based, um, a UK based, but global, global operations uh, conservation group. And I set up a, um, a technology department for them. And we built some, again, micro cameras, which were triggered by movement. And they were, they had some AI in them. And they were also connected to satellite. So you could send these remote cameras would send automatic photographs back to the, the park headquarters to help rangers against poaching in particular. That's what we designed them for predominantly. And we deployed these in Kenya and we also deployed them in, in Nepal. And again, in both those two other continents, I worked with um, I worked with rangers firsthand, helping them to deploy and uh, and manage the this equipment. And again, I had great experiences with all the individuals, but in many cases I found that. Uh, perhaps they didn't always have the most, uh, they might've had this quite cool, sophisticated kit that we were providing. Right. In many cases, they're missing a lot of other much more basic <laughs> and much more useful day-to-day -day stuff. <laughs> sure. That's not to say the stuff we provided wasn't useful, but you know, it was a kind of, it was a real eye opener. Yeah. So, so you combine these three experiences with rangers in North America and, um, and in Kenya and in and Nepal. And it started to, to create another seed, which was okay. You know, I was thinking about how we could get sponsorship into conservation. Now I'm thinking about how we could deploy that funding if we could have it. And then that's, that's mm -hmm. when I started coming up with this idea that, that the, the, the solution is human. Um, and finally, if I can, uh, we've got a bit of time, so I'm not, but, but move me on if, if you need to. Um, <laughs> finally, I started working uh, much more of a focus in Southern Africa rather than East Africa. And I worked with groups like the Southern African Wildlife College who are you know, uh, uh, a leading uh, ranger trainer in that part of the world, a fantastic organization. And again, I started to see how they were addressing the challenges which I'd seen in other parts of, of the world um, through providing these sort of really high quality accredited training uh, programs. And 
So, you know, all of these things kind of fed into this piece where I could see funding potential on one side and I could see the value of, of you know, developing human capacity on the other hand. And, and that's kind of where we got to. So a couple of years ago, we, we were sort of, I felt ready to go with this, with this mission. Mm. And this, no, this is, uh, sorry, go ahead, Wayne. And, and this is probably a good time, Jamie, to talk about uh, the North American model compared to worldwide because Rangers versus game wardens uh, and very, very similar, if not the exact same thing uh, on an international basis. But I think we'd start drawing the line and it's probably due to our English roots when we, we crossed the pond there. Uh, you know, warden came into effect, game warden, and so many people across North America gravitate to that name. Pennsylvania actually did a study. They just renamed their law enforcement division game wardens because they actually went out and took focus groups, whether young kids, women, older people, and they ran through Hmm. a bunch of names like conservation officer, park ranger, uh, and game warden. And game warden was what everybody knew and what they gravitated to to conservation law enforcement. So they rebranded themselves as game wardens in Pennsylvania. Uh, the main warden service, they, they've had that name since their beginning, the, the main warden service, mm-hmm. which it just, it brings back to that roots, but I just want to make sure that everybody that listens to us, which there are a lot of game wardens, conservation officers, environmental police, we have a lot of different names, but I think we all gravitate to that name game warden just because it's, it's part of our roots. So, but to talk about a ranger and a game warden internationally, it's the same thing. We're doing conservation law enforcement, wildlife law enforcement, yeah. correct? Yeah, um, I, I absolutely. I mean, there are dozens of names, even mm. you know, outside of US. I mean, everything from you know, we have indigenous groups who have their own you know, indigenous um, uh, guides or protectors mm. or guardians. Um, and local community rangers and community uh, conservation staff. So our interpretation is, you know, the broadest. So it includes Mm. everybody in that domain. Good point. So far far beyond even just law enforcement. So, you know, we see law enforcement of one of, you know, six or seven key functions of the Mm. of the group that we're talking about right so for the maybe for the purposes of the rest of the conversation to keep uh, everybody to keep your audience clear you know i'm I'm happy to use the word warden but yeah i mean we we no please use the word ranger we want we want to get used to that don't we john i mean (laughs) (laughs) well well you know and and to wayne's point jamie that he makes a really good point from the standpoint of um when i did when i was over in south africa on a few trips and in kruger and working with those game rangers it is the same job And in so many cases, um, we talked about resources and how structured and supported we are in the U.S. and how dangerous their job is over there, protecting especially the big commercial black market species, rhino, elephant, the ivory trade stuff. Um, And, you know, and they're basically fighting to the death daily without over exaggerating that situation um, with some of the poaching issues they're dealing with. Um, yet they don't have the dedicated tactical teams and they don't have the infrastructure and the support and, you know, the air assets um, and just the people and the weaponry and the communication capabilities. Um, and it's really interesting to see how much resources they still need. Um, and coming from the ground and as an example, in California, we found, uh, a, a, you know, the threat of a much more dangerous wildlife stealer and wildlife destroyer, the drug cartels out of Mexico, starting yeah. in about 04 and 05. And um, some of my background on that, that, that I'm sure you're a little familiar with, goes into completely reforming and readdressing how we were going to attack that particular poacher and come home alive. 
And when I think about the overseas threats to so many endangered and threatened species, Africa is an example, those rangers had to kind of adapt to what we were dealing with and form up a special operations unit dedicated to just doing that, advanced canine apprehension teams, the whole nine yards, because now we're kind of hunting a really, really more aggressive poacher that is here for different reasons besides just uh, making money for the village, making money uh, on the black market to sustain their life. We're talking about global criminal networks and your organization. Now, when we're looking at the worldwide wildlife trafficking trade presents a lot more challenges, but a lot more needs and requirements for the agents on the ground working it. So uh, my hat's off to all the Rangers worldwide that are doing it with a smidgen of resources and their story isn't necessarily getting told nation by nation by nation. Uh, on a global scale, like we are do, trying to do here in the U.S. So what you guys are bringing with Force for Nature seems to really, one, educate a lot of us worldwide, but also identify those hot button areas where more resources and or training and or support is necessary. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that and where you guys are going with that. Yeah, I, absolutely, John. I mean, I, I think one of the key things is you know, we've got to know that, you know, in 2019, the International Ranger Federation, um, you know, they have a, a role of honor every year, which they put out, you know, in 2019, 162 rangers died in the line of duty. Not, you know, I, approximately half of those were homicides. Um, but, you know, they just, again, as you guys know, there's like the rangers, even if they're not involved, engaged in law enforcement activity, it's a dangerous job. You're working in remote yep. places and, 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 and often alone, or at least in small groups. The year before that, it was 148 people, guy, uh, frontline conservation staff died. So, and the numbers are going up every year. You know, since 2015, it's just been a steady climb. So, so that's the one side. So these, these, these you know, the really unsung heroes and and you you talked about the the stories and the, and 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 I think this is a really key bit the other side of the human piece that we touched on at the beginning of the mm. the podcast this idea that um, you know you can humans can tell stories about places and wildlife and mm -hmm. nature in their own language um, and and from from their own locale mm -hmm. and historically the media we've been exposed to uh, around nature is we, we tell stories through the eyes of, uh, of, of, of animals or through the eyes of, you know, super famous TV presenters. Right. And, and I think in some ways there's, there's this really interesting idea that if we can get, use the, the voices of rangers, uh, you know, like you guys, you know, you, and you've already started doing this in your own, in your own part of the world. But we think that if you can have a Kenyan ranger speaking in Swahili about, the challenges they face and the opportunities uh, and the beauty of the, of the natural world around them. And we can have a Brazilian ranger speaking in Portuguese about, about that domain. Then we're onto something really interesting because we really personalize these stories and we make them, we really bring this strong human connection. And that's where we think not only do ranger stories deserve to be, to reach a wider audience, but we also think that they're much more powerful when they come directly from a ranger uh, who, who spends all day, every day doing this stuff. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent, and it, it's really compelling to the rest of the world. And and something we do on the Thin Green Line Wardens Watch podcast is we say, look, there's a law enforcement element that's out there on quote unquote the front lines doing the risks to protect what wildlife species we have left on you know on this planet. But at the same time, it's awareness, it's empathy, it's funding support from our public worldwide. And in that, Jamie, you just hit it on the head. We say that everybody's part of the thin green line. We all have a little bit of a green in us because regardless of political affiliation, regardless of frame of reference, we all like our environment. 
We all like our purity of water. We don't want to see species eliminated where our children and grandchildren and the next generation can't say, you know, savor the beauty of nature and just what wildlife presents, whether we're conservationists or preservationists. And um, we don't see enough stories like you just said from the eyes and the mouth of a South African ranger, somebody up in Mozambique, somebody, uh, you know, over in Europe facing a, a particular situation. Yeah. Um, and we need to see more of it for sure. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more, John. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, is, is that a good opportunity for me to sort of introduce what Force for Nature is and, mm -hmm. and, and what Absolutely. our focus is? So, Perfect. So with all of that kind of personal background, but also all the some of the sort of uh, conceptual stuff and the philosophical stuff that we've just been talking about, um, I'm trying to slam the two worlds that I've spent, you know, conservation and communications together. And, you know, we felt that one of the, the, the best ways to do that is to try uh, initially to try and unify uh, the, the hundreds, if not millions, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of rangers in that, in that broad definition from around the world. Because at the very least, if, if these characters are, are not connected with each other, you know, it can be a very lonely, isolating job. So the first thing to do is, is to, to connect um, uh, these, these, brilliant, um, these brilliant people. And, and so we, we created the, the, the Ranger app. And on the Ranger app, it's a free to download for, for anybody who works in this field. And the, the app itself contains a number of kind of key uh, offerings. One of them is, is new general conservation news which is provided by, uh, you know, by, by general conservation bodies. But, but the, the second one is kind of an interesting one. It's a sort of user-generated piece. And so rangers from around the world can upload a photograph, a couple of lines to talk about what they're doing today or to share some best practice or some knowledge or some insights. And it's, we're getting these from all over the world. And there's some fantastic little stories. So I don't know, rangers from Australia sharing you know, fire management strategies with rangers in California um, or Indian rangers sharing uh, migration uh, stories with Pakistani rangers just over the border um, about uh, migratory bird species and when they're arriving and when they're leaving. So we've got these fantastic sort of connections that are happening on that platform. And that spawned another whole range of, of different fora so we have, you know, a forum for uh, female rangers to share their best, their, their interests and for indigenous rangers to share their interests from around the world. So it spawned this whole sort of mini community under the wider umbrella. So that's really thrilling for us. Um, we also have um, an education and training platform. So this is an area where, you know, we're putting best in class uh, e-learning uh, tools uh, on uh, and making them accessible to, to rangers from around the world. And I keep saying around the world, but actually we've got rangers from over 90 countries. I think it's close to 95. I think it's 95 now. Rangers wow. from 95 countries using that. Nice. So the, the international network is, you know, really massive. Um, and we think that we understand that you, can't, you know, if you're in the field, you need to be trained in the field. I mean, to get the, to, sure. be, to reach the level of performance that's required. But what we think is that through digital means, we can at least provide a kind of broad baseline of uh, from which field training can grow. And that sort of foundational training is really what we're, we're aiming for. And, and to make it broad, because we talked earlier on about the seven or eight different areas in which rangers need to be experts, you know, from, you know, education to community outreach to infrastructure management, all of those other things. Um, and 
and and so we think that it's important for all rangers to be aware of all of those things, even if their role draws them off into a particular area. So they might specialize in one of those domains, but 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 ultimately, it's important that that everyone has that they they have the wider reach. So we think we can deliver that through through digital means. So that's our you know one really key focus. Um, and the other really big thing we're trying to do is actually we also want to sort of sift through uh, all of the digital tools that are available. So there are lots of sort of management tools and tools for tracking performance and um, and also for isolating incidents. There are obviously some really great platforms out there which enable um, uh, rangers to collect data which can be used by a centralized ops room or management center. And not all of them are great for rangers necessarily. Some of them are so cool, but they're super complicated and they're not really they're not really fit for purpose. So we're trying to assist them. We're so we're selecting the best ones. And we're putting them on this platform as well. So ultimately, this is it's about connecting rangers to give them a sort of sense of belonging and, and esprit de corps or you know camaraderie, whatever you want to call it. Cohorts. But also delivering the tools and services that can enable them to do their job you know safely and more effectively. And that that's really what it's all about. Yeah, it's it, it's an awesome platform as we're starting to see it and starting to learn more about it. And I think. I think it's a motivating platform as well, Jamie, um, especially when if Wayne and I are sitting here on both parts of the U.S. as an example, I'm out checking trail cameras here in Montana when I'm getting ready to go into our hunting seasons or I'm working with my local young game wardens that are here in Libby, Montana, of all places and riding with them. And all of a sudden I pull up a, a Kenyan ranger and we're, we're, we're comparing notes and I'm showing a young yeah. Montana warden that story. That's just motivating. Mm. Um, I think it's also a recruitment tool, certainly to see how other countries are doing it and get motivated interest in the conservation officer career. Because something we've seen in the U.S., uh, especially with uh, pay disparity with other law enforcement agencies, mainline law enforcement agencies, let's say police, sheriffs, federal agents, um, and depending on the size of the state and lack of resources, we've we've lost a lot of good candidates to going somewhere else Mm. um, because they don't have a comparison. You know, they, they don't have that frame of reference of what's going on in other parts of the country or the world. So it, it's just a it's just a great tool to a force multiplier of all things. Um, and when you mentioned the technology, you mentioned really highly technologically advanced camera systems you were working on down on the border that were satellite linked to migrations and movement. And you were intercepting, you know, not only wildlife trends with predators, but you were seeing like the smuggling routes. Um <clears throat> the uh, trail camera technology and into cellular systems and into satellite systems for one ranger in a remote area to have that technology that your group is helping with. And I know some other NGO groups I've, I've worked with are trying to support worldwide to give these guys a lot more eyes and ears out there and not have to tackle an area patrol wise, let's say with absolutely minimal people, if not resources, whether it be vehicles, air support, whatever the case may be. So it, there's a two-pronged effect going on here that can really unify the thin green line message of conservation worldwide. And we certainly want to promote that. Yeah. John, no, I agree that, that technology is a fantastic force multiplier and we need to multiply the force because research tells us time and time again, we don't have enough, there are not enough boots on the ground. Mm. And um, and so technology is a great way, way. And, it's, and not only do we not have enough boots in the ground, but the spaces we're talking about are often huge. Right. So you've got to put the right amount of resources yeah. in the right place at the right time. And, and again, you know this better than me, but so technology is, it can help us to achieve that. Yes, in terms of field deployments and management, 
Um, yes, in terms of the connection bit that we've just talked about. But I think there's a third area as well. And I think that's the, that's the, the bit that helps us to tell the story of, of, uh, of, of Rangers or Wardens to the rest of the world. And, and I think that so we're building another app platform, um, which, is do, which is all about that. It's about trying to tell the, the, the story of Rangers, not just inside the group. And so they can share best practice, which is what our Ranger app does. But we're also trying, we're in the, just finishing it up now, which is another platform which, which tells those stories, takes the best of those stories and the most, um, and the most valuable ranger activities and needs and takes them to a much wider audience. Because I think we need public recognition and public support and government mm. support. And, you know, you touched on the fact there that, that, uh, that, that wildlife rangers are, and are, are rarely paid as much as their, uh, as their you know, similar levels in other law enforcement uh, mm-hmm. agencies. And, and that's a common global phenomenon. And, and so a part of it's about status and recognition. Right. So, so we think that technology needs to help us to reach the people who hold those other, you know, those, hold those other purse strings and, and, and who are able to recognize the value of the work that, uh, that, that you all do. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I think, and I, and I look at this from the standpoint of an, a training and education opportunity for the more developed agencies um, like we've got out here, and especially what we developed in California on the special operations front to deal with a cartel wildlife criminal that, for example, the Kruger, you know, the Kruger Rangers are dealing with in South Africa, um, maybe not w- with the resources they have or other parts of the globe and share mm-hmm. information, <clears throat> not only help train and, and learn from our mistakes and pass on, you know, to these other officers of the dangers and the, and the tactics and the, you know, the unique challenges they're going to have to not only stop that problem, but to do so safely. And just by sharing on apps back and forth internationally, we can share initial stories that could be a one-on-one training lesson of, Hey, this didn't work so well for us. And we're doing the same type of small unit tactics that you guys are doing to try to combat these ivory trade poachers that, you know, want to gun you down. It's, it's that, it's that lucrative for them. And it's, it's that dangerous. Um, That's an extreme situation, but I'm taking that from experience, Jamie, just saying, Hey, there's other parts of the world fighting a very vicious fight and they're being compensated very little and they're doing it strictly with motivation, heart and passion and, uh, you know, my hat is off to them, but anything we can do to help with what we've learned over here, we're more than willing to share. And that's a more direct way than having to, it's not every day we can go over to, to South Africa, let's say as an example, and integrate and share our training lessons with rangers, which we've done, but it's very few and far between. We're in a global pandemic. Travel has shut so much down. So a lot of those, yep. those, those uh, you know, operations I'm part of um, with other groups, they've come to a screeching halt. It doesn't mean the problem's gone away. In fact, as you know, it's it's escalated through the pandemic because poachers are thriving on the chaos and they're and they're being very successful because there's even less pressure out there because of these these restrictions. So by communicating on this app worldwide, we can almost have like a one-on-one shared experience session, it seems like, and develop that relationship, develop that friendship, that thin green line bond that Wayne and I have we have with wardens all over the nation and now internationally, it's just super cool. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's that technological tool to advance our capabilities, especially when we're limited to be face-to-face and at least until we can get face-to-face, hopefully. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's really, it's a really great point. And, um, and I, you know, you've got these sort of com- competing effects at the moment. I mean, one is uh, on, at least on the, on the anti-poaching front, you've got competing effects because in certain parts of the world, obviously, 
global transport is down. So if you're, you, so the, the countries of origin, uh, you know, getting smuggling routes are, are becoming more difficult because there are less flights and less ships. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. But then there's there's less enforcement on the ground for for all the uh, reasons you you just mentioned. So there's a sort of there's a kind of conflicting thing there. But but I um, I, I strongly agree that um, that during not just during a pandemic but also more more broadly there is huge value in sharing knowledge in, in all kinds of ways so it could be an aid memoir provided by you for example for people in other parts as well but we're actually we're just in the process of developing a sort of an online uh, video chat forum which is like super low bandwidth which enables rangers to really connect no matter how well they're good their connectivity is and that would be the sort of platform where it would enable you to deliver really focused and specialized um, talks to rangers from any of those 90 countries you know we just advertise it on the app and we say you know john is going to talk about you know um a, a specialist law enforcement tactics with particular challenges inside protected areas from his experience which we, and and will be you know there's three sessions and you know we advertise that we we the, the platform and the video platform is built into the app so it's it's semi-secure or you know 90 percent secure so you can then deliver. I mean, obviously, you, you probably wouldn't want to deliver every last detail, right. um, but but ultimately, um, you're able to then deliver that lecture, and it could be picked up by any of our any of our rangers around the world, which is a fantastically useful. So not only is it useful because we're restricted at the moment, but also I think it's just cheap. We can reach more people faster, and so you know because obviously there's only one of you, or maybe there's maybe there's a you know maybe there's a, a doppelganger somewhere we can send out. To, <laughs> Right. Share some of your knowledge. We all have but generally, one there's only one. Yeah, exactly. We could, <laughs> um, uh, we could clone you, and then and send send thousands of Johns around the world uh, mm. to different national parks. But no, but yeah, so so we can we, we we don't need to do that. We can do it. We could do it through these other platforms. But you're right, and I think it prepares people. So when you or someone like you arrives on site, the basics are already in place, and so then they can really you know don't have to spend a week getting up to speed. You know, and, that, and I think that's where there's real that's where there's real value. Right. Yeah, the, you jump when you do have the face to face time, you jump in a limited budget, a limited travel schedule, whatever the case may be, you jump into real tactics because you already know these folks. Um, exactly. it, it, the, the lecture portion is over, the, the, the PowerPoint presentation with the images and the videos. And, you know, I think I speak for Wayne and I both. Anything we can do to expand protecting our wildlife resources with whatever knowledge we've gained in our careers over here on, on, on um, you know, the US side. We love to share. And we've always said when we develop the, these podcast platforms, we're not US-based. We're not Europe-based. We're worldwide-based, right? The, the thin green line is a worldwide issue. And like you said best, Jamie, it's the human factor that counts. And it's, it's a global unification. And we need to look at it that way. And that's how we view it. So we embrace that. We're willing to jump in and help. Uh, that goes beyond, you know, what we can do together after this this discussion on this podcast episode. But uh, it's exciting, and we'd uh, love to help out. And I know I would very much personally. Fantastic. Well, that would be great. And I think, you know, everything you're talking about there does align with the the views of the International Ranger Federation. They're trying to create this global connection, and you know, we we support them. They support us. And I think that sort of uh, philosophy is it's hugely powerful. In fact, I, I went to the. Uh, Ranger Federation Congress in Nepal uh, in November, like, nearly two years ago. And I think there were Rangers from 70 different countries at that event. Mm. And it was just fantastic. I mean, the, 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 the camaraderie there was beyond remarkable. And it really gave us that sense that, wow, if we could recreate that 
to some extent, you know, we wouldn't, but not perfect, but if we can recreate that some, to some extent digitally, then that would be that, that there's a, because there really is a community here and it's a self-supporting community. We just need to provide the tools to enable these remarkable people from around the world to connect and share and support each other. That's, that's our mission at Force for Nature really more than anything else, because it's to facilitate guys like you two um, so that you can support others and, and like, and vice versa. You know, there, there are plenty of things we can learn from an indigenous ranger in, in, you know, Nepal. And there are plenty of things we can learn from, uh, you know, and not every, not every lesson is relevant to everybody, of course, but, but there's still, there's some, and I think that's what we're trying to do is to help people connect people in the right way um, to, to meet their own needs. Right. But you're, you're, you're taking that next step, Jamie, which I'm so happy that you're thinking that you just yeah. didn't develop this and stop. You're thinking of involving the everyday person, just like our podcast, you know, anybody listens to it. So because game wardens, rangers, I think are very poor at telling their stories that we, we, we should have been telling <laughs> these things a long time ago. Uh, and that is so prevalent by seeing the popularity of all these game warden shows across the U.S. And the one thing that we see yeah. a lot is is these people want to help they they want to help and i think that next uh, you know app that you're developing for the general public was my understanding is going to be so engaging that it's going to grow i mean uh, I, I forget the numbers for northwoods law but it, it's it's astronomical how many millions of people watch northwoods law astronomical now you put those people on an app and start engaging them in how they can help and how can they can support, and you have a force, all right? Yeah, I mean, and we're calling them citizen rangers. Mm. Uh, we could call them, and, I, and I love that. I love, yeah, give them a title because yeah, yeah, like they it. are, they are because we can't do our jobs yeah. without them. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, you know, it's amazing how you know just the research that, that I've seen from you know from twenty countries around the world says. 80% of rangers say they can't do their jobs without the mm. support of the community. Around Absolutely. Them. And I think it's just such a critical piece that sometimes we miss, but it, but I think increasingly everybody mm. gets it. But, uh, but I think this idea of citizen rangers, because we're all vested in this, not just full-time wardens and rangers right. and protected right. area staff, you know, we're all vested in the outcomes here. And so getting this sort of global movement of people who sort of follow behind and can support um, the professionals that makes that's that change that's another game changer because it can it can deliver this you know amazing platform to lift the profile the uh, the resources and the and the general support for rangers and i think you know we can all do our bit in that and and again we want to facilitate that you know we're not we don't think we can you know be the superheroes who change it all ourselves you know we, no. we just want to you know we want to be just provide the platform you're the catalyst these things to happen yeah. exactly yeah, you're the, the catalyst, catalyst. Exactly right. and what that's exactly. going to do is uh you know i feel like politicians are losing touch with the outdoors losing touch with nature because they're so much wrapped up in everything but when you put a force of people behind something like that um you know, because New Hampshire, we're down four people, uh, just the unfunded positions. That, that to me, it's tragic. Mm. We those positions should be funded, uh, and that, mm. na I think nationwide that you see it. Well, it ebbs and it ties depending where you are, and I'm sure worldwide, it does the same type of thing. But that needs to be a priority in a politician's, uh, you know, their forum, their 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 talking points. I think we we have to protect as local politicians, as national politicians, as worldwide politicians, our natural resources. Uh, and the first step is that is to the force, the, the the people, 
the people is the solution. It's a yeah. human solution. And to not have that supported, you're not supporting wildlife co- conservation because you can have you can have management, you can set up by all this alliance, but if you don't have the people on the ground to, to educate and enforce those laws and manage those laws, that, that you have a disconnect. And I, I, that's the kind of communication that, you know, they, they need to know and it needs to be on their platforms, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that that sort of advocacy, you know, piece, whatever you want to say, um, t- towards government is is really critical. But I think there's another critical one as well, which is towards business. You know, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the, uh, the, on the global protected area, you know, they I think I've read somewhere that they need 750 trillion, no, sorry, 750 billion dollars a year to manage the, the global protected area network wow. and we're only raising about a we're only raising about a hundred billion of that so we are we're 650 billion dollars a year short i mean this is global mm-hmm. and most of the money that is being raised the vast majority 80 percent, i think it comes from government and 20 percent comes from tourism and you know philanthropy but it's just not filling the gap so we have to engage private sector as well and, and i'm a you know i'm because of my background in business before i I am a strong believer in, in business as a power for good. And I think that businesses can get stuff done fast. And, and it, I, I'm working really hard with our team here to see how we can align business interests with the interests of conservation and nature nice. protection. And, and I think that can help us to, um, to deliver value to business. But it can also help us to raise you know, capital and goods and services, again, that can support Ranges and and you know you you alluded to that to these unpaid positions. Well, you didn't you didn't allude to it. You said you know, <laughs> Wayne about these unpaid positions, and I, my view is that you know that if we can align these without you know stripping away the the magical wonder of nature. I mean, I'm not talking about sticking you know giant in logos all over every animal. I mean, although actually. <laughs> <laughs> one, the the one Google Rhino. Um, <laughs> exactly. uh, but I think there's value. I think there's value in, in, in nature for businesses because increasingly the stakeholders, you know, employees and, yeah. and shareholders and customers of businesses, they want their businesses to be responsible in one mm. way or another. And I think alignment with nature and, and the emotional connections that we all feel is a key part of that. We talked about it earlier. You know, we all feel that we're all a little bit green, whoever we are, whatever political right. persuasion we have. We're all a mm-hmm. little bit green. And so, you know, there's a way to tap into those uh, customers and consumers and, and staff and uh, through a clever alignment. So that's something else that's really, you know, we've set ourselves some big tasks here, but we're making progress. And I think the time is over for, you know, small cottage industry responses. You know, we've got to shoot for massive yeah, uh, massive, you know, ambition because it's the only way we're going to save and protect and enhance all the things that, that that we care about, and we need to live. Yeah, that that's perfectly stated. And um, <clears throat> the one thing we talk about with the app, and and Wayne, you just hit this on the head. You know, we talk about the ground roots, the citizenry, the citizen ranger force, if you will. The more they're aware, the more the pressure and the interest with our our political legislative groups to fund ranger positions to fund study positions, whatever the case may be, and be in that business for good model, Jamie, that you're talking about and have private sector support for this as passionate as the government agencies, because ultimately, and you said it, things get done quickly when a business is committed. 
it's a very efficient, very quick process yeah. versus the red tape of government funding through political legislation and everything else. So in Wayne's case, in the small state of New Hampshire that has less than 100 wardens, Wayne, if I'm correct, yeah. significantly less 38 than 38 field and you, guys, and I think we're at 44 yeah. total. Yeah, and you lose four positions. That's huge. In an already small force, man, that's that's anorexic paper thin thin green line activity <laughs> yeah. right there. I mean, in yeah. California, we're at 500 plus. We lose, you know, 15, 20 to develop another team. It's a hit. Don't get me wrong. We could have a thousand in that crazy state. But um, <laughs> those things are the things that this app I see with enough pressure of people understanding what's going on from other parts of the country. Hey, New Hampshire needs some help. Uh, Kenya needs some help. You know, Rhodesia needs wherever the forces need to be there. The louder the voice is, the more we're going to get that. And Jamie, I want to I'm going to look at your the mission statement that really caught me on the website and it blew me away because it was super ambitious and inspiring. And it says our aim by 2030, we want to see at least one million professional wildlife rangers on the ground. And we have a plan. That's a dream force, man. A million strong. That's, I mean, that's the best uh, wildlife protection army we could have, right? Um, how is that coming together? How do you see that goal being accomplished? Um, it's a little bit of a rhetorical question, but maybe spell it out a little bit for us, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, sure thing. I mean, I think that the numbers we're talking about are are rooted in the expected area. So I said earlier on that nearly 100 countries have signed up to, to an agreement to, to try and uh, protect 30% of the planet. Now, you know, if, if you want to protect 30% of the planet, I think we, the moment we have 50 million square kilometers of the planet protected, and that's about, on average, I think it's oceans and land, it's about sort of 14, 12, 14%, about to say 15%. So you've got to double that. So we're looking for 100 million square kilometers of land and sea protected. And, 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 and it's, it's feasible you know, every environment's different, but it's feasible for an individual ranger. You, you guys can contest <laughs> this if you wish. Um, you know, to 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 manage maybe seven kilometers by a well well you know provided for well trained, well you know equipped. Um, seven kilometers by seven kilometers. You yeah. know, and and of course there's shifts and stuff. So you've got to you know. So over time, we we are thinking that you know at the very least. You need that you know you need a million, but you may need more. You know, probably need closer to two million as yeah. well. But but the problem at the moment is we don't even know how many rangers, wardens, indigenous guardians there are, and that's a major challenge. And some you know it's it's a it's a big challenge to try and identify how many there are in you know in every country in the world. So yeah. so there's a sort of uh, but but our, 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 we hope that by 2030 we will be able to count that number, but we think that. Uh, so our focus is not so much on the hiring bit it's more on the the training bit yeah and to answer your question about how we deliver it so we think that how on earth can you reach a million people okay well a, a large number of them will be trained because they would have been to some of the brilliant academies in the u.s or in south africa or other places um but for those who who are who fall between the net or haven't been trained you know 30 percent of rangers in in on this survey that we, that we you know we we're uh, aware of you know, so they hadn't received any first aid training in the last year, for example. But but we think that using digital means, we can reach maybe not a million, but we can reach 100,000 by 2030. Mm -hmm. And 100,000 rangers who are in touch with 10 other rangers each, that's mm -hmm. your million. So yeah. we have, we, we're trying to find these sort of leader, ranger leaders in numerous places around the globe. That's why we're really excited about the 90 country thing, because it means that that 
at the very least, we've got already got 90 individuals. I mean, we've got a lot more right. than that, but, but, but you know, at the very least, we've got 90 potential leaders around the world. And then we, the, each of them can spawn 10 or 20 or 100 other people who have the, some of that basic, well-prepared knowledge that we're talking about. Nice. So that's how we think we can reach the numbers. And then it means that when other, other um, uh, training opportunities come in, you guys arrive or, 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 you know, or one of the other NGOs we've been talking about, that all of this, they can build upon this, this, this basis that we've, already, that we've already constructed. And we, you know, the, the second bit is how we really scale it up, how we ramp this thing up. And that comes back to that funding piece. You know, we think we can make, if we can, if we can deliver on this, this corporate uh, partnership uh, arrangement, we can scale up the quality of the technology, the quality of the e-learning, the levels of engagement, and all those other things, which can then really make this the the the, the Ranger platform a fantastically useful tool that all Rangers really almost can't do without. You know, it's just too useful to do without right. it. And I think that's you know that's I don't think that's an unrealistic aim. Um, and I think that's how we reach the majority bill. Well, we'll never reach everybody, of course, but but um, but we think that that million is the bare minimum by 2030 because without that, you know, we're just going to have, it's like having a farm without a farmer. I mean, what happens? Mm, right. Just, yeah. You haven't got the people to make, or a car without a driver. I don't know what the best analogy is. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the challenges you've faced already with, with, with this Ranger app? app? Jamie, because I, I I see some a connectivity for for one you know cell phone service it's a, it's an app uh, smartphones availability worldwide is that pretty common I'm I'm thinking like Nepal and those areas that you've already mentioned Africa uh, and then I think you have alluded to having no service and and low band using low band in order to reach more. Um, I'm assuming that's been a challenge, and uh, if there's been other challenges with development of this and things you've overcome and things you still face. Yeah, um, it's a good, really good question, Wayne. Actually, uh, we um, we we're always really conscious of these things. Um, certainly, in certain parts of the world, people are not using the you know the latest smartphones, and mm. they might be using an uh, you know a ten year old smartphone, and so we have to make sure that always that the that the app that we have is can run on any phone. And, and actually, so that's why we built a web app, which enables people, even if they, even if their, their, their phone cannot man, cannot handle the complexity of the individual app, um, they can go onto the web and they can, you know, they can get access to it as, you know, like a website. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one sort of solution. I mean, you know, the, the bigger issue is, is, is connectivity. You're right. But mm-hmm. we see that only moving in one direction. I mean, I, it, right. there's, it's almost inconceivable that there'll be less connectivity in five years or 10 years than there is today. You know, we, we're only moving in one direction and you look right. at the sort of map, you know, and it, it's almost like one of those things and just sort of the, the, the veins keep spreading around the world mm. uh, for connectivity. So, so that's going to increase and the speed and cost and all those other things are going to come down. Um, so, so we think that that's going to, that's going to improve uh, a lot. I, I think there is a, there's a cost issue as well though, um, which is, you know, do you want, Rangers who are on, you know, $100 a month or $200 a month having to spend, you know, their data on the app. So that's something we also think about a lot. So we, as I said, we try and make the, 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 the bandwidth really narrow. And we also have a lot of quite funky things so that, you know, once you downloaded something once, it stays on, on, the, on the, you don't have to refresh every time, you know, you come in and out of an area of connectivity. So you're not constantly re-downloading the same stuff again and again. 
but but it is a challenge and we always think about it um we do not want people to be having to make the choice between learning something or connecting and uh you know but it's going to cost me two dollars you know i don't really want to do that mm. so with there, there's some we're, we're thinking hard about how to, how to achieve that and we're looking at corporate partnerships for example as one means of doing that and they have this quite there's a quite interesting notion of you know i don't know if you guys had reverse charge calls where you know your mm-hmm. phone when I was a sort of teenager and I was late out at night and I, we didn't have mobile phones. I, collect calls. I didn't have any, yeah, collect calls. Yes, collect calls. I collect calls to be picked up by a family member. Oh, can you? And so, you, but you can almost do the same thing with apps. So that the data accumulates and it's pinged to an individual phone, but all yeah. of the charges come back to the telecom company and then the telecom company charge us. So there's ways of doing those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the only other sort of challenges, I mean, I went into too Good much idea. detail perhaps on the, the comms piece, but, you know, I, I think the other one is it's, it's always about, breaking people's perception and um you know people are very comfortable in in the way they've always done things and whether that's a a, a corporate um or a conservation ngo or anything else so it, it's always this sort of sense of wow this is new how you know and it's a lot takes a lot of effort to do things mm-hmm. in a different way and so most people no matter how well-intentioned they are want to continue doing things as they've kind of always done them yeah, yeah. so, so the, the the sales job is a is a massive one <laughs> And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's so, so that that's a real challenge, I think, at, at all levels, really, is to try and is try and get people to adopt these ideas. But I think the pressures are so great from the other side. Um, you know, environmental degradation is obviously so, so apparent that, um, you know, people want to try new stuff. So so I think that that's in our favor. But um, but uh, but I'd, I'd rather I'd rather that wasn't the, the you know, the stick that was, that was right. behind, uh, you know, the stimulus. Yeah. Um, mm. But it is. So we've got to make the most of that. Could you share a story with us uh, uh, that, that, that's on the app that, that people can reach out about, a ranger or something? Uh, and I know our listeners just love to, to hear those. That's, that's for sure. That's why I think this, uh, this next citizen ranger thing is going to be tremendous because they love yeah. engaging. They love listening. They love watching, whether it's Northwoods Law, Wild Justice, uh, Louisiana Law, nor, you know, uh, Lone Star Law. It's just that they, they want to engage. I just think that's going to be great. And part of that is telling our stories and that's what we do here on you know the thin green line and warden's watch yeah. and share and i'm hoping you can share a, a pretty cool story yeah i mean there's there's, there's one of the most memorable <clears throat> ones for me at least was um one of our um, um one of our advisors in fact is a is a maasai indigenous maasai ranger in in kenya and he's the he's the team leader uh he's a highly experienced ranger and um and he combines some of the kind of modern uh, techniques with many of the you know ancient ones and, and traditional ones from from his society, um, and they protect this you know community landscape. And anyway, one of the app stories that he shared with us on the app was that um, there was a lady who was out collecting firewood um, in, in one of the more remote areas of the of this uh, of, of this landscape, and she was pregnant. And she was surprised by an elephant, or she surprised an elephant, which um, which took a charge at her and knocked her knocked her down, and you know tossed her in the air and knocked her down. She was injured, broke a leg, I think. And um, but anyway, uh, so she was in you know in deep trouble. Anyway, the 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 rangers heard about this. 
they managed to use their sort of non-lethal uh, skills and techniques mm. to get get the, the elephant and its and its the other group of elephants that it was with, and in fact it was with the, with a young elephant to move them away, and um, and then they the the rangers who were on patrol nearby they made a sort of makeshift stretcher, um, and they carried her sort of twenty kilometers out. And wow. Then heat, um, to to the nearest you know town where you know she was recovered and she gave birth to the baby, which is uninjured and unhurt, and there was all sort of finding. So it was this really strong kind of community, mm-hmm. constructive community piece. But it was a sort of pretty heroic act because you know running with a stretch of twenty kilometers that's not easy across <laughs> yeah, rough ground. A, that's carrying a human. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard run. On that's any- a hard run. And it's um, inspiring. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I was with. I was the, another occasion. I was actually with Rangers in uh, just down the road from there. Actually, was you know, well, just down the road. It was probably a hundred kilometers down the road. And we were training with Rangers on on um, on, on various anti poaching and um, and some of the technology that I was talking about earlier on. And we were sitting around the table one night, and and the first couple of days they've been a bit reluctant to engage with us. It's been a bit sort of the conversation been a bit sort of slow. And one night we were sort of sitting around the campfire and. Someone just sort of said, "Oh, you know, you're English. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I am." And what do you think about, um, you know, what do you think about the the, the soccer or football, as it was? There? And um, and suddenly it triggered this conversation about, you know, Manchester United or Arsenal or one of these mm-hmm. you know, you know, British soccer teams. And suddenly all these guys sort of came completely alive, and the whole thing sort of lit up. <laughs> nice. And then I, I sort of said, "Oh, do any of you guys play sport?" And one of them said, "Oh, yeah, I came third in the Nairobi Marathon, you know, three years ago." I was like, wow. "Oh." That's that's okay. unbelievably impressive. Wow. I said, and another guy said, "Oh yeah, well, I I was in the um I was in the Commonwealth Games for four hundred meters." I was like, "My God, there are only eight of you around the table. You're all like elite athletes. How, how yeah. come you guys did this?" And they said, um, "This how can this be?" And they said, "Oh well, when they do the the range of selection for this area, um, we all do the basic." you know, academic tests and personality tests. And, um, you know, however many people are still left, they just say, well, going to run around that mountain. And the first 50 <laughs> back, you're in. So, of course, what happens is you go ad hoc team athletes, uh, all, um, you know, all, all in this, uh, in this, in this little small area, but it was, uh, it was really interesting, but it, I think it's also an indication of, of how tough, you know, that the, the, there is this really strong employment imperative here. You know, these is, you know, these are people who who, who live and, and and have always worked in in these types of areas. But but the idea of the protection is is a, is is a is a takes time to get to really um, you know embed themselves with. But at the, the first motivator is to get a job and to to have a, a you know have revenue for, to support a family and that was the other thing that came across in these conversations with these guys you know it was really strong so so i think there's a you know a couple of little things in a couple of little anecdotes <laughs> those are great <laughs> thanks for sharing those outstanding yeah what where, where is your app being used the most do you think uh internationally so um Good question, Wayne. Again, we have um, probably sort of seven or eight co- uh, countries where it's most widely used. We've got sort of some quite big sort of spikes in in the U.S. and in Argentina and in Kenya and in South Africa and in India and Australia. So there's sort of and the U.K. of course um, is that, that's where we're based. So so yeah, there's sort of it's you know it's quite a global spread. Um, but nice. um, but there's there's obviously uh, a heavy leaning towards English language uh, there. But we just brought out a Spanish 
uh, language version of the app as well. So it's now like a fully integrated Spanish version, awesome, um, which is fantastic. And we, we've got some great support in, in, in Central and South America. And, um, and those guys are sort of pushing it hard. So we're really excited about that because there seems to be a huge degree of sort of, we find that when uh, the Latin American users are on the app, they are big contributors and they're very passionate about and very open I should say more than anything else about what you know what they share and and their and their and their activities. So it's, they're really they're really a major part of the of the the future. We hope, and we hope to bring up more languages too. So it, it's uh, there's lots more potential. Right. Have you seen like increases like you mentioned Argentina? And every time I think Argentina, I think waterfowl mm-hmm. hunting and uh, yeah. en- engagement oh, there. Yeah. And you had some kind of connection to Argentina with horses. So uh, d- is that a target area that you targeted because of their wildlife, because of their. So that's that's one place that's, you know, I'd love to, to go visit because I say that it looks beautiful. And uh, yeah. And when I think South America, you know, wildlife, I think, man, they're teeming with it. Yeah, I mean, I weirdly we didn't sort of target it. It just okay. just popped up for whatever reason. <laughs> although, although Alicia, my colleague, um, is uh, she's she's uh, half Argentine, so maybe there's maybe she's weaving a uh, little Argentine sort of. Alicia is weaving some webs in the home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to good exactly. effect. To very good but, effect. Yeah. But Wayne, I'd love to go down there again too. It'd be mm. great, and, and yeah, and obviously, you know, there's the, the the further south you go, the wilder and more magnificent it it becomes. Um, it's, yeah. yeah so it'd be yeah, it'd be very good. So, you know, we welcome all. Uh, countries from South America, but Argentina, we have a special place in our heart. Mm. Nice. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah. I, I, John, anything else can you can think of? Um, I'd like to go another you know, 30 what, minutes, what? to be honest with you, so we can do this a two-part <laughs> one, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's very engaging, yeah, yeah. and I, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. I've got a lot of notes here, um, you know, but... Uh, you know, the, 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 just looking at the app, I really appreciate like the role of honor. That that to me, and, and John, we, we do a special uh, tribute in May to our fallen officers. And whenever mm-hmm. I see somebody else doing a tribute to our follow, fallen officers worldwide, it, it threw a passion out to me right away that you know mm-hmm. you guys appreciate it that much that 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 that's there. So for me, that hit a home run, and I found that this morning when I was going through stuff, and that hit a home run with me, and I started going through all the different, uh, you know, in the line of duty deaths and the reasons for them, the U.S., uh, you know, Africa, all over the world, um, homicides, killed by a tiger struck me, because uh, uh, yeah. we don't see that a whole lot here, uh, but th- those are the types of things, and I think it's reflective of the people that are using the app uh, when you talk about the indigenous, I can't even say that word half the time, but, um, you know, people that are protecting their, their communities on that level. Uh, everything, and I think, boy, it streams through this podcast, it streams through everything. Wildlife protectors, it's not about the money, it's about the passion. I think each one of us yeah. starts yeah. with a passion. John talks about that spark that sparked in you. It, it starts with a passion, and it really doesn't matter uh, the course you take, but it's always there, and, and it's always passionate. And I just started teaching college for the conservation law program here in the northern part of New Hampshire, and I try to tell the educators, it's, it's passion these kids have, and we need to to keep that going, that passion, because that's why they're here. They're passionate. It doesn't doesn't matter how much money they make or or what the the risks are. It, it matters that they're going to make a difference in some small way yep. for you know our future, 
for the wildlife, something we have passion about. Boy, that's and that just steams through you. It steams through this uh, this whole forces for nature. It's 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 you know we're the forces for nature. Be a force for nature, citizen rangers, forces for nature. I just I, I love it. I, I just I, I love it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be singing your praises. I, I'm I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> well, I should be way. sorry. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise, I'll be singing yours too. I'll be singing yours too. Um, yeah, I've already had a few friends who've asked me, you know, how they can listen to the uh, to the to your podcast. So mm. I'll be I'll be I'll be doing that doing likewise. But you know, you're you're right, and I think there's this this connection and this uh, this sort of seed of passion is at the heart of it all. Because you know, after all, we're, we are that that comes from because we're all part of nature, and and I mm. you know strongly believe that that's where it all comes from. And ten thousand years ago, and you know, and and before, you know, we were we were embedded in in nature. So so mm. that's. Uh, uh, much more than we are today. So yeah, it's 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 important for our survival, but it's also I think it's it's important for our our mental and emotional health as well to be engaged in these things. Absolutely. And and Jamie, thanks again. We are definitely going to do everything we can to promote and spread the role of the app. Great, um, thank you. And, and, and be part of it, man. It's it's been awesome to have you on the show. We we look forward to working with you on any other level we can. Um, this is definitely a force multiplier and kudos to what you're doing. But before we go, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners and viewers with that we mm. haven't covered? Uh, anything in a bullet point that how to that you download, think is how to join, um, all, yeah. all of that. Where type to, re- of thing, where to re- reach the the bona fides of how to get to the to the app and whatnot. Yeah, thank you. Well, first of all, I'd like to just say you know thanks for all their service to all of your all of your listeners. Um, you know, you know, we 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 are passionate about nature, but we're also passionate about supporting the people who do this work, and that is that is all your listeners. So so that's the first thing. The second thing is that the uh, the app itself, uh, we welcome everybody to it. It's at can be found. It's called the Ranger app, and it's uh, it can be found on either the Apple Store or, um, or Google Play Store. So it's, it works for Android or Apple devices, um, and it's just the Ranger app um, uh, by Force for Nature. So you know, look those things up, and and uh, we look forward to um, to to seeing you there. Yeah, and Excellent. I certainly want to see a spike in uh, downloads for that app uh, after this podcast. Uh, I, I think that game we'll wardens you know. that listen to it will be very engaged. And, you know, the problems I have, Jamie, and I'll say this, is there's so many apps out there. So I've started grouping my apps. And, you know, John and I are on so much social media that, you know, we both have said uh, enough's enough. Yeah. And it's hard to start in- engaging in another. But I, I'm definitely going to start engaging it with, with this app and put it in a priority spot for me. But I, I think, you know, we, we as wildlife protectors, we, we should be doing that. We should be telling their stories. Uh, we certainly do it on this podcast. Uh, it, it's so awesome to make that connection worldwide. And, and just for us, it's fascinating, I think, because like John said in the beginning of the podcast, we are so structured in the U.S. We have structure. We have government. And some of these... Uh, you know, non-government agencies that, uh, you know, support uh, specific species, you know, when we say, hey, you should be, you know, helping out law enforcement, they're saying, oh, the government does that. Well, the government do- isn't <laughs> doing as much as it did anymore, and we're, we're starting yeah. to slip. So, A, throw your support in there so we come back up to where we should be, or a lot of them, and uh, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, for one, you know, supports International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. It's, it's one of the first ones. Uh, the yeah. National uh, Wild Turkey Federation just came on board uh, in supporting uh, International Wildlife Crime Stoppers because they, they see it. It's not about... 
buying all this property and, and management, it, it, there's, there's a whole puzzle piece that they're missing. It's, it's the conservation law enforcement. It's the human factor. I, mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, you've come up with some really, really good points. You're very thoughtful in what you're doing and it's really to the point. It really, really is. So, uh, I'm going to encourage everybody I know to, to, to download the app and, and start engaging with our, with our brothers and sisters from across the world. It's, it's very special and I appreciate right. your time. Uh, Alicia, thank you. She's been in the background. No one knows she's there. But she certainly started this, and uh, we, we, we started this uh, you know, a few months ago, engaging each other, and uh, just um, I really appreciate you coming on. Great. Well, we, and we look forward to working with you more. We'd love to have you guys on the app. We'd love to have you sharing your knowledge. We'd love to have you sharing, you know, a, a, a sharing news of the, of the podcast as well, because you know, our, our users will be interested in what you're doing as well. Well, we're going to make that happen, Jamie. And thank you so much. And Alicia as well for being on today. This has been amazing. And we'll do some follow-up after we get off the recording and get get you some stuff sent back and forth uh, via email and really look forward to working with you guys. This is going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Cool. Thank you.